Hello and welcome to the Come Let's Sit Down and Talk talk show. We are here for another episode and thank you again for joining. I am Master Life Coach and Chief Curator for Embrace You Coaching, also known as Miss uh, Get You Together. And we have another uh, guest on our show for tonight. How are you today, Pastor Jones? I am doing wonderful. Great. Appreciate you coming on the show tonight. It is such a pleasure to have you in the space um, and coming to just share, you know, with mm-hmm. us. All right. Homeboys. Okay. Grew up in the same neighborhood. You know it. You know, representing Grandpa. GP. I have to tell people, you know, don't try me. Don't do it. I'm from Grandpa. I get a surprise. Yeah, it's there. <laughs> yeah. I should say, I ain't no killer, but don't punch me. Don't punch me. So, Pastor Jones, yes. tell us about yourself. Ooh, wow. Straight out the gate. I'll yeah. Just tell us. Look, I'm going to sit back. You know what? Oh, uh, wow. Um, I like to consider myself just a down-to-earth individual, okay. you know, a person that's not so heavily minded that they're no earthly good. Um, family man, no husband, pastor, friend, brother, son, um, and I love every last one of them. You know, I love people. I love uh, being able to have impacts on people's lives as well as being impacted by people's lives. So, you know, I think that's me in a nutshell. I love God. I love people. Love family. Mm-hmm. That's Half of the puzzle right now. Listen, half of it. See, I just said, knowing is half the best. That's what it's That's like. it, right mm-hmm. now. So, tell us um about your ministry. How long have you been in ministry? Wow, you know, I, I started back in 2003. Mm-hmm. And, you know, since there, you know, becoming a minister, um, 2008, you know, I got ordained as an elder, 2013, um, I was installed as pastor at Philippine Community Church. And so... You know, it's just been a blessing. I would say that I've pretty much been preaching all of my life in mm-hmm. the sense of, you know, since about middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but as far as church, quote unquote, with the paper behind me, I would say 2003. Okay. Yeah. And so the church you pastored, your mm-hmm. dad was formerly the pastor, so you was a preacher kid. Yes, yes. Okay. So mm-hmm. tell us about PK. that experience. Oh, wow. You know, Unlike most, I've had a wonderful experience as, as being a preacher's kid. And I think part of that is because I uh, got into, you know, the, the faith at an early age. Mm-hmm. And so because of me getting into the faith at an early age, you know, it allowed me and my dad to have a lot in common. So there were a lot of late nights, man. We would stay up. I'm watching him read his word. And I'm just at the kitchen table, just just eating. You know, mm-hmm. we're eating. He's talking and I'm eating it up. Uh, and then I love the, the liberality that he had. You know, I, I've heard so many horror stories about Christian parents. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes they could be overly strict, you know, sometimes raising their child in somewhat of a prison. But our father, my dad, just basically just taught us the truth, truth about Christ, truth about life. And then from there allowed us to make decisions. And I think because of that, you know, it allowed myself as well as other siblings to make a decision on our own to come to Christ. Mm-hmm. And when that decision is made on your own, you're more apt to stick and stay, mm-hmm. you know, opposed to being pushed and, you know, you got to do this and you got to do that. And so, uh, you know, my, my PK childhood years, it was it was fun. I could talk to my dad about anything, too. So that made it better, mm-hmm. you know, being able to talk to him about girls growing up or drugs growing up, things of that nature. He was real touchable, real down to earth. And so, uh, you know, my experience as a PK kid, you know, I'm grateful for it. It's a good experience. Mm-hmm. I know your dad. And um, mm-hmm. so 
having seen him growing up uh in the same neighborhood like um me and Aaron we're along the same age so right. uh seeing him you had a great example yes like he was him in everywhere he went so it's not like that he was one person in the church and then another person in the neighborhood because that wasn't him and I from what I've known of him he's always been consistent he hit it he hit the nails on the coffin that that's it and I think that's what you know a lot of times what's missing mm-hmm. a lot of times these kids growing up in in churches or parents or are Christian or have faith you know it's the problem comes when I see one person mm-hmm. in the building and another person when I get home and I gotta agree with you my old man you know, I, I like I tell people, you know, I know my dad is not perfect. No human being is perfect. But I'm, I'm you know, I don't want to give my age. But how old I am, mm-hmm. you know, I still have never heard my dad use a profane word. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've never seen him get upset to the point where he lost control. Mm-hmm. And he's been in some tough situations, but he's always remained in control. But I think because of that example, him remaining the same, you know, it gave me hope. You know, and so and I think that's, a, you know, another good point of. Christian parents mm-hmm. is, you know, hey, you know, I don't think that it's necessarily about perfection, but consistency. I like mm-hmm. what you said. You mm-hmm. got to be consistent. Yeah. You know, so and that's the key. I know growing up as a um, a preacher's kid, my mom's a, she um, was pastor and she's retired and close to church now because she's 80 something years old. Okay. She, she don't like for us to tell her age. Right. So yeah. I had to think about it. She 80 something. Yeah. Um, she was, um, my parents allowed me liberty. Yeah. And that was one of the biggest things. And I say to people, like, I've been in church all my life. And they'd be like, yeah, they're like, no. My mama went in labor on her way to church. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, literally all my life. All my life. <laughs> like, my dad was being ordained as deacon uh, okay. that that uh, that Sunday. And they literally had to drop him off wow. and then take her to the emergency room. So while he was there, or they did get my wow. mother labor having me. So, yeah, literally all my life. But um, I was able to be a child. Yes. I was able um, to do things like they never, you know, said, no, you can't do that. Don't do that. They gave me parameters. Very good. Uh, I I would be the one who had the vehicle, but I was the only one who had a um curfew. So I would be like, "Hey, <laughs> come on, let's go! I gotta meet curfew." You know, get back home. I gotta get home. You know, because they gave me those parameters, and then they taught me how to make decisions Very as good. to what's gonna be your decision that you're gonna make about what the outcome of this situation yes. is going to be. So that really um. It kept me, it grounded me, and like you, I, I accepted Christ in my life. I was uh, the first time I was 11, mm-hmm. um, and this was when uh, they used to do Christ Alive, okay. the uh, crusade, and um, I accepted Christ then, and but my relationship didn't come until I turned 18, mm-hmm. and um, but I, I told people, I don't know anything in the church I haven't done that. Like you growing up in the church, I mean, I was the quiet, I was the quiet director, I was head of the usher boy. Like I've always been in leadership mm-hmm. in church, so that has kind of remained my role. Um, so when it comes to being in ministry, the ministry that um your father pastor lead pastor prior to you, how did that bridging process go? You know, right now we're actually still currently bridging, mm-hmm. and uh, and I and I love it because, I, and I think 
the first of all, the, the natural respect, natural son to a natural father. Mm-hmm. It helps the transition from the spiritual father, spiritual son, because there's a natural respect there. There's there's a natural he eats first, I eat second. Mm-hmm. And I think that type of respect uh, allows that uh, bridging and that transition to go over well. I think where most people come in trouble, get in trouble, is that when the younger feels entitled mm-hmm. to something that the older has labeled for. Mm-hmm. And so me coming into it, the transition definitely isn't difficult because I respect and honor what he has labeled for and what he has done. And I also realize that it is really an opportunity because he doesn't have to mm-hmm. transition it to me. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's really an opportunity and a blessing that he's even willing to say, hey, you know, you could come in and minister on some of my Sundays. And so the transition has definitely been, uh, it has been a blessing. The, the other thing I would say, too, that has helped the transition be a blessing is I respect and love how my father is open-minded. Mm-hmm. It's not something that I'm finding out that it's not something that's common. Sometimes people have been around so long, they have done things a particular way for so long yes. until they're not open to change. And don't realize that, hey, you know, the, the, the gospel remains the same. The word remains the same. But sometimes the delivery and what we may use in order to compel people to come, that may change. Mm-hmm. And so I think because of this open-mindedness with some of my younger ideas, it has allowed the transition to go over well. And I tell people this story now, and I'll downshift here, right? Um, I, I only know how to bake one cake, right? Cake my father taught me how to bake. And so, you know, whenever we bake it, we, we put pecans on it. Mm-hmm. Everybody eats with, with the pecans on, except for my older, my oldest daughter. My oldest daughter, Jalen, she's outspoken. She told me one day, I like the cake, but I don't like the pecans. And so in that, you know, the thought came, you know, sometimes the delivery of the word is, is, is the same. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the making of the cake, the cake itself is the same. But everybody don't like pecans on the icing. Oh, that's good. You know, and so sometimes you may have to add pecans. Sometimes you may have to take away the pecans, but just make sure you keep the cake the same. Mm-hmm. And so in that, man, I think because he is open-minded, it allowed the transition to flow over well, and it allows our ministry to stay relevant. Mm-hmm. You know, anytime you look into a church, man, and you know, hey, you know, every, everybody in there is 70 and older, that's the church that's getting ready to close down real soon. Yep. And they have to remain relevant. So the transition has been good, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, especially when... Um your dad was able to take over a church that he labored in from the ground floor. Yes. You know, uh, the Honorable Bishop Callahan, like he he did the work and your dad was yes. right there alongside. So it is um, great that he is open to what needs to happen for this next generation yes, so that the church can continue to grow from generation to generation. A lot of times what leaders fail to do is to put a succession plan in place. Very good. And when that succession plan is not properly put in place, your vision dies with you. Like you've not empowered anybody else to take on what you have created, the work that you've done. Either because of, um, I don't want to give anybody that much information mm-hmm. about what I do and how I do it because they may take it or um, we just don't know that. Yes, ma'am. Most. Who are you uh, saying a mouthful? Yeah, most, <laughs> um, most companies build into the fiber of their company mm-hmm. a succession plan. Yes, ma'am. Uh, in the Bible, the Old Testament shows so many succession plans, like 
if I die, this is who take over. This is yes. what they get. After they get it, then this is who you get it. Then this is who get it. Specific, written out, everything so that it continues to live on. We we don't we don't focus on building legacy. Yes. I love it. And said good father leaves a legacy. Generations. I love it. I love it. You said something I thought was so good about just empowering people. And even the, the basis of the gospel, you know, you, you look at Christ, greatest leader ever known to mankind, of course, in my personal little opinion. Mm-hmm. But he empo- he empowers his followers. Mm-hmm. Go to Acts chapter 2, go to the day of Pentecost, and I'm going to give you what? Power. He, were in, he was empowering them. Yep. And that's something that, you know, some people are missing. You you could be the greatest leader in the world, mm-hmm. but you gotta empower somebody before you leave. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you have said you you I know you said you're you're, you're the daughter of a preacher. Yes. Yeah, but you might you got a little preaching you somewhere, nice. You might not be behind nobody's microphone, but you got a preaching you somewhere. You hosting and preaching today. <laughs> Listen, you in the vein, you in the vein because I am actually launching a ministry. Wow. I uh, just had my first virtual Bible study on last Tuesday. Uh, See? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, you did on it. It is um, the empowering part as a life coach. That's um, part of like one of our pillars is to empower people. And a lot of times that empowering isn't really doing anything or Mm -hmm. really giving them anything, but just helping them to see what already lies within them. Um, One of the scripture bases that we use, it says that the mind of a man is deep. But for someone who can draw out of a man what's in them. Mm. And that's what we do. And we do that by just simply uh, asking questions, posing questions to draw you to your answer. And that empowers people to make their own decisions. Yes, ma'am. And you you talked about uh, your father allowing you all to make that decision. And it is so Mm. vital. Uh, That was the topic for the Bible study is the decision. What we what we don't do is live life as if it is decision mm. and it just happens. Come on. You get what you plan for, even if it's not planned. That's right. <laughs> even if it's not planned. Yeah. Now you I don't get it. what you plan for. Yes. So it is the empowering part. Like I'm a big fan of John Maxwell and that's one of the things as a awesome. leader, uh, he says that you have to empower your people. Like some of the things that we have to empower people to do is to uh give us pushback. That's it. That's it. Challenge our thought process. Yes. Ask questions. You know, if you are a leader and you're intimidated by your people asking you questions, like you're not a leader, you're a tyrant. That's it. <laughs> you're the dictatorship now. Yes. Come on. Yes. Come on. So empowering people um, to be there, also empowering people to, to be able to help you. Yes. Because you can need help and they can know what you need. But if you've not empowered them to help you, they'll sit right there. Ship sinking and they can stop it from sinking. And they're gonna look, look they gonna look at you going down. <laughs> SOS. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so good that you're, you're saying it because there's just so much confirmation with even how, you know, I operate as a leader. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe in putting people in position and empowering them. Mm-hmm. And I tell them, I want your creativity. You know, yeah. I don't want to have to put you in leadership and then have to come create it myself. 
I'm putting you here because I believe there's something in you. And so I want you to come up with the ideas. And I'm that kind of leader. You know, most people may not agree. I'm that kind of leader. I don't mind trying it one time. Yeah. You know, Pastor, I don't know if it's going to work. Hey, I don't either. Let's give it a shot and see what happens. Mm-hmm. One thing about it, we'll still be alive. It ain't going to kill us if yep. we try. Yep. You know, you might hit it, might strike gold. And, and, it, and it's okay to fail. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think sometimes that you, you have some leaders, they want to be, they want to micromanage everything. Not empower people to develop, mm-hmm. you know, and allow them to to have some type of decision making and, and some type of creativity. And I think it hinders the body of Christ. It does. You know, that's why God has the body of Christ. Yep. It wasn't just your mind and your thought pattern. There's somebody over here that thinks totally different from you. Mm-hmm. Got an idea you never would have thought of, but because you've empowered them. You know, they are they are allowed to grow. They are allowed to develop. And at the end of the day, they, they, they will help you. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, and I'll say this and, I, and I'll downshift. You know, I don't know. How, I don't know how much of a sports fan you are, but I'm a big time sports fan. Okay. Right. And so I'm a big Michael Jordan fan. OK. Right. Now, Michael Jordan is the GOAT, the greatest ever played the game. Uh, of course, I'm a big Kobe Bryant fan. But I said all that to say Michael Jordan had a sidekick by the name of Scottie Pippen. Yeah. And when he gets there, he understands that in order for me to achieve my goal, Scottie Pippen has to develop as a player. So guess what? They had to start putting the ball in Scottie Pippen's hand. You know, and so sometimes when we become those leaders that are the, the dictatorship type of leader. It's like the ball always has to be in your hand. It always has to be your way. And guess what? You'll look good doing that day, doing it that way. But, it, you know, very, you know, it's, it's very uh, a slim chance that you won't win any championships. Yeah. If you want to win, you got to give other people an opportunity to develop. So I'm, I'm definitely agreeing with you a yep. thousand percent on that. Yeah, I, 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 I say it oftentimes this way is that uh, oftentimes as leaders, we train our people with an appetite for only our voice. Mm. So I only want to hear what you have to say, but that's like you training your child to only eat broccoli. Come on. It might be good, but there's so many other nutritional values that they're missing, yes. missing but you're not uh, giving them an opportunity to eat anything else. Come it's on. like some a leader who feels like it always has to be their voice. And it doesn't always have to be your voice. Oh. T.D. Jake said, um, he said, if you find people who have your heart, you can teach them your vision. Mm-hmm. And so as a, a leader, that's what I do. I look for people who who have my heart yes. or someone who I can teach my heart. So I will pull them in and I'll, I'll teach them. This is how I think. This yes. is my process. In this situation, this is what I'll do because there is a likelihood that you may have to speak on my behalf. And if you speak on my behalf, yeah, you gotta have you gotta know what I would do in yes. this situation. You know, and when you make that decision, I'm gonna back you because mm-hmm. you made that decision. And whatever yes. else has happened, we you know, we'll deal with like you said, we ain't gonna die. We just <laughs> right. Yeah. And one of my they favorite quotes, yeah, one of my favorite quotes is with um Nelson Mandela, he says, I either win or I learn. Come on. So even if it doesn't work out the way we did, we learned the process. Yes. Sir. And that helps us to develop and create to know the next time I might not need to go this road. Let's try this because last, I mean, you learned the lesson. Learn. I mean, that sometimes the lesson is more important than um, meeting the goal. You're right. Like, because once you get the goal, You're like right. the goal is done. Mm-hmm. But when you learn the lesson in the process, like even though you met that goal, you moved on, you still have those lessons. That's it. Can't take it from you if you learn that lesson. Nope. Yeah. yeah. And you said something else, and I, 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 I can't leave this on the table because I thought it was so good. Just being open as a leader 
for people to have that ability to come to you mm-hmm. and ask questions or to have a difference of opinion, to get that feedback. Mm-hmm. And that is something that, as far as my heart as a leader, it has always been there. When I'm talking to those that I, that I serve, mm-hmm. I'm saying, hey, listen, I don't mind the feedback. I don't mind if I get up and I say something and it's not 100% clear. You come back and say, hey, what, what does this mean? How mm-hmm. does this play out? What was this about? I don't mind that because so many people don't want to be challenged. Yeah. You know, and I have to say, if your truth can't be challenged, then it's not truth. Oh, that's it, it, anything that's true. It has, and if what you're speaking and what you're standing on is true, then hey, it, it should be able to be challenged and withstand that challenge. Yeah. So I love those characteristics. It's yeah. definitely one of those things that, as a leader, I think every leader should have. Yep. In in the in my life coaching certification um course, I I every class I do, I ask. Tell me about how, how did the course work for you? What didn't work? What can we yes. do to make it better? And it has progressed from uh, when I first started with two coaches to now my classes run between 15 and 20 coaches. Awesome. Um, but I always ask them, as the curator, I know my course as a curator. <laughs> I've never taken it. So I need you to tell me what it's like to take it. Mm-hmm. I've been in corporate America all my life. I had my first job at 16 at AT&T. You know, everybody worked at America Transit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, so in watching the things that they do in corporate America, I it worked for them. They they still floating. So I, I'm like, if it worked for them, I'm going to have to try it. So uh, having focus groups, asking people, so tell me, how did this work? What you didn't like about it and being able to receive the feedback wow. and it not trigger your insecurities and you take it as if somebody is criticizing you. No, that was their experience yes. and it's valid. One of the things I, I say to leaders and I um I coach a lot of pastors mm-hmm. is that as a leader, you've got to have a place where you can go and get truth. That's right. So important. You got to have someone around you you don't feed. T.D. Jakes said if everybody around you, you feed their fans. Come on. You're in trouble if you ain't got nothing but fans because people who you feed, 99.9% of them, they ain't going to really tell you how they truly feel. You got to have somebody to tell you that. You got to have a truth teller. You got to have somebody who, who, I tell them you need somebody who don't want nothing from you. And gonna tell you like an IS is. I can't tell like I want to. If we had a lot more folk had that, we'd be in a better place right now. Right. Yes. You gotta have somebody who just don't say no. Or either they exit them out of their life. You know, somebody Ooh. who oh man, oh it's too. Oh no, you you hate. Everybody's not hating on you. Everybody's not a hater. No. You got some people who genuinely love you, and they just want to tell you like an IS is. I tell uh, the leaders in my coaching class. And as a matter of fact, I just had this conversation and I told them, it seems hard because nobody's challenged you. Mm-hmm. Nobody's told you the way that you think ain't normal. Come on. Nobody said to you, you can't, you wounded, you need to, you need help. Mm-hmm. You're bleeding on the people you lead. Nobody is taking the time to challenge them because everybody is consistently drawing and That's right. ain't nobody saying to you, bro, you bleed. Yeah. You need to get help yourself. You help it, but you need to get help. You're a wounded healer. Come on. Yep. 
Absolutely. It has really been a pleasure speaking with you on today. So where can they find you? Are you on social media? So yes. tell us where we can find you. Uh, I'm on social media, uh, Instagram. You can follow me uh, at Jones uh, C. Jr. And so you type that in, you'll find me on Instagram. And then on Facebook, uh, you can locate me by my name is, again, Virgil Jones Jr. Or on my pastor's page, Pastor Virgil Jones Jr. Or on Philippian Community Church church's page that's all both of those are all three of those excuse me are on facebook and so you can find me on facebook or on instagram uh you know i post quotes and and uh you know different sermons uh i also do prayer monday wednesday and friday 6 30 a.m it's a live prayer it lasts for about 20 maybe 25 minutes where you know we start our day off with a quick word and a quick prayer for your day and we do it live this is on instagram and on facebook so please feel free to join us any one of those uh, mornings, Monday, Wednesday, or Friday, get your quick word, get your quick prayer, start your day off, man, the right way. And, uh, you know, so if you want to, you know, check us out on what we're doing at Philippian or what I'm doing in my ministry, you can check us out on those platforms. Thank you again. Yes. And thank you again for joining us. So if you enjoyed this conversation, meet us over on Facebook at 630. Uh, mm -hmm. You can come to my page, Coach Michelle Kennedy. We'll be having the con conversation continuing with Pastor Jones. So you can join in. You can ask questions. So we appreciate you coming, sharing, and thank you for joining. Have a good day. With Embrace You, I found a career. At Embrace You, I found a family. At Embrace You, I found me. Are you the strong friend who's always giving advice? Are you the one always mentoring and coaching? Have you thought about being a certified life coach? Because here at Embrace You, we have room for you in our family. I am Embrace You. I am Embrace You. I am Embrace You. And you can be embracing.